Hey there, folks. Welcome to another edition of the Inside BS Show. You know, we call this show Inside BS because we not only take you inside business strategy, we share the insider business secrets, but sometimes we take you behind the curtain and real, reveal the inside BS that's going on in other people's businesses. Today, we're going to talk about all the inside BS related to networking. So, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking stale bagels and burnt coffee. I mean, I can smell it just saying the word networking, but that's not what this show is about because I've got a real badass for you today. Uh, my guest today is Kelly Hoey, and you're going to be able to find her at jkellyhoey.co. That's her website, J, the letter J, K-E-L-L-Y-H-O-E-Y.co. And the reason I say she's a badass is because she could have written a book on about a hundred different things related to business, but she wrote a book on networking and we're going to have an unconventional conversation about networking today. You see, Kelly is obsessed with changing the way we understand and approach networking. Her book is titled Build Your Dream Network, Forging Powerful Connections in a Hyperconnected World. And she's worked with top companies top brands. She's been a speaker at all the top conferences. You've probably seen her on CNBC. Um, she co-created and moderated Meet the Innovators. That's a speaker series at Apple. She contributed to publications uh, like the New York Times, Forbes, Fast Company. Look, she's been an angel investor. As I said, she's a business badass. So, Today, we're going to talk about networking in a way that's going to make you a little bit more comfortable with it. And if you hate networking, you're going to hate it a little bit less after our conversation today. So please join me in welcoming to the Inside BS show, Kelly Hoey. All right, Kelly. So the most important question, and you know, all of our guests are going to probably tune out after I ask you this question and you answer it. On your website, I'm looking at your, there are, there are some fantastic pictures of you, the about page and on the media page. I got to ask you, your shoes are amazing. What is the symbolism of those fantastic shoes? I have been obsessed with shoes my entire life. And, and yeah, and it, it runs in my family. My father is obsessed with shoes. My eldest nephew is obsessed with shoes. So it's not just a female thing. And uh, yeah, kind of known, known for being obsessed with networking and obsessed with shoes. Okay, so I'm looking at I'm looking at the shoes in the pictures, and the shoes are really prominently, you know, uh, part of the part of the uh, the way that the shots were framed. So those particular shoes, these are so those of you who are listening, you know, if you if you watch this on video, what we're gonna do, we're gonna have the video editor splice in the the photos of of kelly with these shoes on but these shoes are they're pink and they they look amazing but they look okay dave they look like i kicked a flamingo they they well so here so i'm in miami all right so like these shoes are are perfect for going to the supermarket here in miami but you've got <laughs> uh, no i want to talk about this picture because there's something going on here you you've got a totally new york look you're, you're black on black my favorite right total new york look in these photos except for the shoes, which are like pink with tassels, on, with like fr frill in the back. I don't know what, what you would call them. No, no, they're feathers. Yeah. They're feathers. So, they're okay. like, they look like I kicked a flamingo, All right. Dave. So, so you're, you're, you're putting your website together and you're thinking to yourself, I got to have, I, I got to make a statement. 
So we got to have great shoes. What was the thought process that went behind selecting these? Because I'm, I'm sure I agonize. I'm a, I'm a guy and I don't care how I look ever. And I agonize over my headshot because I know I'm not going to go back in a studio and take a headshot for like three or four years, right? So what went into the, what was the thought process behind the shoes in this, in this photo? Because they're so prominent. Was there any thought given to it or they're just your favorite pair of shoes? Oh, if we had favorites. No, I can't pick favorites. There's too many shoes. There'd be a rebellion in my closet. Um, no, those shoes, they were, I remember buying them at Bergdorf's and they were just so whacked out. I thought I just have to have these. They just, they made me laugh and, and just kind of giggle and that kind of child joy. So I thought I have to have these. And then where do you wear shoes like that? It's not like, you know, Seriously. I mean, maybe I would wear them to the grocery store in Miami. You know what? Maybe I'll do that just because you said it, Dave. Uh, but part of it was those who know me as, as you know, people talk about their personal brand. I, I'm always about what are you networking out to the world, right? Like what's, what are you showing the world? And the people who know me, who've seen me in person, whether I've spoken at an event, a conference, whether they know me here in New York, they know my thing is shoes. Okay. So I, um, I, I work with a guy, he's a, he's a client of mine, his name is Billy Cannon. Uh, so if, if Billy's listening, this is, this is your moment, Billy. Um, and he does this thing where when he goes to a networking event, and I've been to a, an event with him, he wears like red pants, okay? He's at a business networking event and he's got mm -hmm. like these golf pants on and he walks in the room and everybody's got a dark suit on and Billy's got on red pants and he does it because it is a great conversation starter and for him people will come up to him and they'll make some snarky comment and he's by the way fantastic personality really laid-back down-to-earth guy they'll make a snarky comment and he'll turn it into a great conversation or they'll say what's up with the pants and he'll turn it into a great conversation so from a networking perspective right the the shoes or the pants how important is it if you're if you're uncomfortable how important is it to have something that people that can that you can use to kind of break the ice have you is that you know maybe maybe the shoes is that a start is that a good strategy it can be it can be an excellent strategy even if you weren't the person who's like oh, i'm never going to wear red pants to you know a business networking event if you were a new person you might gravitate because you're think to that person because you're thinking, well, they've got the confidence to do this, or they look a little bit more approachable. Um, you know, where, being conscious about what you wear, maybe doing something to stand out. There was a partner at a law firm I worked at, and everyone thought she was always spending all her time in one of the overseas office. And she actually split her time 50-50, New York and the overseas office. And then she realized it's exactly like you described, Dave, you know, like a sea of dark suits at every partner meeting. So she always started putting on a bright scarf. And then people remembered she was in the room because of the bright scarf. Mm. And, and she, she used that to dispel the myth that she was never around. So it could be that kind of reason if people are sort of overlooking you or like, oh, you're always overseas. And you're like, no, I'm here half the time. I was sat two seats away from you at the last lunch. And why didn't you see me? Sometimes doing things like that, um, you know, can yeah, start a conversation or, you know, confirm that you were present and accounted for. Yeah. Is networking harder for women than it is for men? Um, 
That's a wow. That's a great question because there's so many answers to that. Um, and you know, one yes, of the reasons, yeah, one of the reasons yeah, why yes I, and no, Dave. Yeah, yeah, one of the reasons why I ask is because. I mean, men are pigs. Like, how do you know when somebody's networking because they're they're networking and the, there's a business motivation behind it? And how do you know when somebody when it's just somebody hitting on you or trying to figure out if they should hit on you? Right. I, I would think it would be harder for women than men. Right. But also, too, what you've done, Dave, is you've kind of fallen in that paradigm of networking, which I'm you know out to bust. OK, let's talk so, about that. Let's talk about that. So when we think of networking, it's exactly what you started out with. I mean, no one's like, yoo-hoo, yay, we get to hear Dave talk about networking. This is going to be great. It's my favorite topic. No, it, I mean, for so many people, it can put you in knots. Um, even those for those who say they really enjoy networking, they've been in the dumps for the past year because we haven't had what they think of as networking events. When I think of networking, I'm thinking of every single human interaction. Mm. Someone referring your podcast. What's on your email signature line? If you're sending out client invoices, what's on the invoice? How are you sharing out with them? Every time we collide with another person, whether that's in, in person, but hopefully not, hopefully you're six feet away from people. Mm. But when we're colliding with people or when we digitally or in person, that's part of building our network. Do you send a holiday card? Do you send a happy birthday? Do you recognize anniversaries and promotions? All of those little touch points can build up to something and can lead to an opportunity if we watch and observe and, and engage in them. When we think of traditional networking, um, yeah, some industries, um, you know, harder for women. I think of, you know, I think of a situation early in my career. So my career started in law. Don't hold that against me, Dave. Um, I, and, I, love, uh, I love lawyers. I work with a lot of lawyers. <laughs> lawyers are fan. If it wasn't for lawyers, we I wouldn't have a studio. I wouldn't have a house. My kids wouldn't have shoes. I love lawyers. So don't worry. We're good. So so um, I started my career out uh, as a lawyer in Toronto doing bankruptcy and insolvency work. And one of the partners I worked with said to me, uh, one day after we'd worked on a big case, he said, do you like what you're doing? I said, yeah, I do, Ward. I, I really like it a lot. He said, do you notice anything about the bankruptcy bar, Kelly? I said, yeah, Ward. And he was in his late 50s at the time. I was in my early 20s. I said, yeah, Ward, everyone looks like you. You know, pale, male, and stale. Like, yeah. right? This is what it looks like. Yeah. He says, yep. And he said, we all like to golf. So the question is, Kelly, do you golf? And I knew the real question was, was I going to take the steps to get in the room where the networking was happening? And so, yeah, mm -hmm. I said to him, I'll learn how to play golf. He said, that's the right answer. If, and he said, I'll teach you. But if you want to get in the room where decisions are made. So a lot of the times I say to people, particularly to women, like, look where the decisions are made and how the decisions are made to get business and decide what you're going to do to get into that. Like, are you going to play that game and get in that room or are you going to find another way to build the relationships in a way that works for you. But don't bemoan you're not getting the opportunities if you're not prepared to think like, am I gonna learn how to play golf? Or am I gonna find another way to make, you know, the relationships that lead to the business? Yeah, you know, one of the, one of the things that I struggle with because I don't like to call it networking, but I think it really is networking is Having, having real relationships with people and delivering value to those people first, selflessly, 
knowing that whatever I put out in the world is going to come back to me tenfold, maybe not with this individual, right? And I and I think based on based on what you're saying, I think that's what that's what we we should be talking about, right? Instead of yes. instead of the chamber of commerce, uh, you know, meet and greet event where my best friend either becomes a buffet attendant or the bartender. I should be out there looking for that one person that I can provide great value to. And then if it comes back from that person, great, but it will definitely come back in some other way. Am I, am I getting that right? Yeah, because I think absolutely. What happens is, like something, a chamber of commerce is a, is a great example. Someone will attend once and think, well, that didn't lead to any business. It's like, you can't approach this as one and done. You need to invest the time. You need to invest the time and think, how can I be of service to the organization? How can I be of service to the other people here? Let's see what this leads to. Um, but if you think you show up once, you get some business cards and it leads to a big transaction. I mean, maybe once in a blue moon that happens that, you know, the magic networking glitter falls on you because you have that perfect intersection. But most of the times it's because you've invested the time you've shown up people have gotten to know you because the basis of all of this is trust mm -hmm. we do business with who we know like and trust and that doesn't come with one handshake and one business card or one email or one text or one tweet or one instagram post you've you've got to show up um and showing up can be little acts of kindness regularly and that you know to me is a heck of a lot easier with networking than imagining how to start an awkward conversation. Right. So one of, one of the other things that I tell myself and I tell my clients all the time is we already know enough people. We just don't know enough about the people we know, right? So let's, let's explore the idea that if, if we could never meet another new person, what would we do to expand our, uh, our business using the people we already know i'm 53 years old i probably have met and forgotten about thousands of people who could be doing business with me right now or who i could be you know connecting reconnecting with and they could connect me to other people who could do business with me so we're, we're in a pandemic we're locked in our house and i got people telling me they can't network go through your contacts and call some freaking people and ask how they're doing kelly right. what so well, Nobody, you, you, I, I don't want anybody else to meet anybody new. I want them to go deep. What are we, what are we missing out on in our current network? Well, I mean, first of all, the, you're hit, the, the person's hitting on the problem where they think that networking is meeting new people. Where, yes, most of us have already, we already have a network. How are you nurturing and growing from that place? I recommend regularly that people audit their network. Who's in it? Who's, what are they doing? Where are they? Um, this is where showing up for your network every day, as I've talked about, is so critically important because that big sale, that client could be sitting right under your nose and you don't know it's there. Right. Let me give you an example of a woman, woman entrepreneur who wanting to grow her business, she and her husband had the business together and they were, she was talking about some of the things they wanted to do. And I sort of said to her, you know, and she was like wondering who she knew person she had to entice and be interested in what she was doing. And so I was sort of listening to what she was doing. And I said, you know, 
you should look into some of these programs that, um, you know, some of these really prominent women entrepreneurs, Tori Birch, Rebecca Minkoff, Diane von Furstenberg, that they have, you may find a real supportive community and a champion there. And she looked at me and she was very quiet. And I'm like, okay, did I say something wrong? Like, what's the matter? She's like, my husband went to summer camp with Rebecca Minkoff. And I'm like, you have the prize. Like, right. that per like the, the, the diamond is so close in your network you can't see it because you're fixated on some imaginary stranger coming in and saving you. And so for everyone, like, stop and pause. Think about how you're showing up for your network every day. And by that I mean, like, okay, go through your Facebook. See who's having a happy you know, birthday and wish them a happy birthday. You know, um, social studies, science uh, research has shown that those little touch points can make reconnections. So you may think, oh, Hoey, that's just the stupidest networking thing. No, it's a really good one. You might reconnect with someone you haven't seen in a long time. So, you know, go and scroll through your network. See who's there. See what they're up to. Think about how you've shown up for them in the past. If you've been that great colleague, that good friend, that lapse of time doesn't matter. Mm. Now, if you were the jerk when you worked with a person 10 years ago and you're still a jerk today, I probably would recommend a little, maybe a little more hesitant approach in outreach because it's not going to go so well. We remember how people make us feel. I mean, okay, think about this, Dave. Think about your password prompt reminder when like, you forget your password. Mm -hmm. They ask you things that evoke emotion. There's never been a password prompt, how much money did you make last year? It's who was, who was your second grade teacher? Right. What was your first car, right? Things that evoke emotions. We remember how people made us feel. Right. No, I, that's, you're 100% correct. And, you know, I think if you're, so if you're listening to this and you're a jerk, here's, you, you've, got, you've got an in, okay? I'm going to give you the in if you're a jerk. Call everybody you know and tell them, hey, listen, I realize I've been a jerk all these years. I've changed. I want to I I connect with you just to make things right. Everybody's going to call you back because everybody wants to take their shot at you know making amends. We, we as human beings love closure. So if somebody was a jerk to us years ago, they, we want to get back with them and, and know that our relationship is on an even keel. It's human nature. I found that if you reach out to people like, for example, I, uh, I had an acrimonious relationship with a place where I worked and it was time for me to move on and I didn't realize it was time for me to move on, but the company realized it and I got fired. So when I went out on my own and I was successful and my confidence was built up, I reached out to everybody who was at that company who was hesitant to talk to me and I'm like, hey, listen, let's connect because there's th there are things we can do together and if I don't feel bad about the way things ended, you shouldn't feel bad. And everybody called me back. And the reason they called me back is because they wanted that closure and they wanted to feel good about the relationship. So you can, whatever, whatever happened in your past, you can leverage that as you move forward in your, in your relationships. So, you know, I think one of the things that I want to get from you today, Kelly, is talk about the unconventional or the things people aren't thinking about when it comes to human interaction, right? So, you know, how, 
we we have these people in our network. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We're locked in our homes for at least a couple of more months while we wait to get a vaccine. What can we be doing right now to make sure that we connect with people with whom we have a relationship and make sure that they know we care about them? And, you know, even though we want business down the road, what can we do today to make sure that those relationships are in good standing? You know what? Check in with people. You know, a JCI, as I say, a just check in without, you know, without asking. You know, this is where skulking around the internet is a good thing. Go and see what's going on in their lives and, you know, maybe check, just check in. Hey, see your, your kids back playing football. That's awesome. You know, little things like that. So there's, there's one of those, you know, pick a holiday and send some cards. I mean, everyone's at home. You know where you know you can know where you can find people. They're going to be excited to get something in the mailbox, other than you know some random catalog or sure. you know another request to move your internet provider to somebody new. Like you know, I send out Valentines to people. The number of people who emailed me back who were just like so excited to get like some silly Valentine in the mail, and you know there's those kinds of things. And then the other big thing I think about Dave is just like listen. We get in such a banter and pattern of conversation. Hey, how are you? How are things going? Right? Which means nothing. It's like meaningless politeness. And there's a story, it's not in the book, but the the story, the career stories in my book. So this is an example of this. So I um, was looking to buy a URL when my book was going to have a different title. And I was reaching out to GoDaddy and I had been put in touch with a guy by the name of Joe Styler. And... Joe, uh, recommended by a friend, and Joe's like, hey, how are you? So his first question to me wasn't, so what do you want to pay for this URL? His question to me was, what's it for? Mm. And then we started talking about my book. And then he started telling me about his career story. And then I had to ask him if he could get permission so that I could include his career story in my book. And then I called my publisher to tell them there was another case study and the book would be at just a few more pages longer. So, like listen like lean into conversations and don't be afraid of you know sharing what you're doing with other people i mean another story you know friend with his personal trainer and the personal trainer's like what's going on with work and that's a situation you could say ah it's really stressful i'm feeling at my knees you know we got to work my shoulders today i've got knots whatever instead my friends told his personal trainer exactly what was going on like his main goal work-related goal and the personal trainer stopped and looked at him and said, wow, I think I may have another client who can help you. And boom, lynch pin mm. to what he needed business-wise. So I'm thinking right now, like, you know, look at your network, see who can, you can lend a hand to, randomly reach out, you know, send, I don't know, send a St. Patrick's Day card or Easter or... Oh, it's too late for Ground, Chinese Groundhog New Year. Day. You missed, Groundhog you missed my, Day. My favorite holiday. I send out Groundhog Day cards. Everybody loves them. They go, they go like, nuts for the Groundhog Day card. Yeah, like find something. Like yep. just to decide you're going to do that, that kind of thing. And then like listen and have meaningful conversations as opposed to being satisfied with a superficial, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Things are good. Okay, kids fine. You know, that kind of ping pong of uselessness. Yeah. All right, let's talk about you. You hit on something that I that I I love, and I learned it just by happenstance. It what this is not something that I learned in grad school. It's not something that I learned from some business sherpa up on a mountain. I was a bellman, 
and I started my started my career as a bellman in a hotel. And the biggest tip I ever got was when I connected one of my regular guests, a guy who stayed in the hotel once a month with somebody who could do business with him. And I just did it because I was walking this guy to his room and I said, what are you in town for? And he said, oh, you know, I'm here because I'm looking to uh, looking to land a new account. And you know, I don't want to go into all the details of his business because, you know, he didn't I didn't get his permission to include this story in anything. And he said, you know, uh, I said, what? Why? Why would why is this meeting more important than other meetings? And he said to me, you know, if I land this account, It'll, it'll change the course of my business. We'll have to double our production capacity because this is one of the biggest companies in the world. And I said, tell me exactly what you're, you know, what you're looking to sell them. And he told me, and I said, you know, I think I might know somebody who, who can do business with you. Uh, I said, would you, you know, would you mind if I connected you? He's like, no, he gave me his business card. And I don't think he thought anything of it. So I called the guy who's a regular guest in the hotel and I said, hey, listen, you know, this is Dave the Bellman from the from the Westchester Marriott. I just met a guy and here's what he does. And he's like he said to me, oh, my God, Dave, he said, it's so funny how the universe works. I was I, I, I need exactly that. Um, you know, I need new I just created we just paid for these new molds for a specific thing. He's like, and I need a manufacturing company that can deliver these molds for me. He's like, if this guy is who you say he is, maybe this could work out. So really excited. I called the guy in his room and I said, hey, listen, I'm going to give you this guy's name and phone number. I would call him right now if I were you. Guy calls him and he comes down and he shakes my hand and he he uh, he says, thanks a lot for the connection. He stayed. He was in the hotel maybe three or four more days and he at checkout hands me an envelope and he says, hey, thanks for thanks for thinking of me. And in the envelope was a thousand dollars. And this is 19, wow. 1989. And um, there was a card in the envelope and he said the meeting that I came here for didn't go as planned. He said, but your introduction is going to go is going to probably more than make up for that because you introduced me to someone who could be a fantastic client. And then he wrote this long letter to Mr. Marriott about me and I was recognized and, you know, the whole bit. But the, the idea is that people are comfortable talking to people who they perceive as being non-threatening as a bellman you can't get any more non-threatening than a bellman right right so this guy right, but, opened up to me but but also too i mean i commend all of this that a you were just like oh what are you in business for mm -hmm, yeah right like uh, um you weren't just doing it as you know kind of hey politeness you were like really taking care of of the of the 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 guest right um but also to this guest wasn't like what does this bellman know, right? right? Like so many people say to me, why would you? Why would you tell that? Like there was a woman entrepreneur I was talking to and she was in a she was in an Uber to the airport in like, you know, Oklahoma or somewhere. And she'd come from a conference. Now her startup related to like women's, I'm gonna say physical health during menopause. Okay, something no one wants to talk about. Mm. And the Uber, she's there in the cab, the Uber with with her husband. The Uber driver says, like, "What are you in town for? Like, or, or you know, are you heading home? Or are you coming back? Like, what's the deal? What are you in town for? Um, oh, what's your startup?" So the woman starts to explain her startup, and her husband is looking at her like, "What? What are you doing? Like, this Uber driver does not want to hear about your mm. fiddle in the blank." And finally, the Uber driver says, I need your car. 
my wife is a gynecologist. Nice. Right? So this is one of those things where you talk about, like, you shouldn't, like, people who are in your network have these conversations because you don't know who they know. People in your network don't assume, oh, it's the barista. They're just making coffee. What do they know? As you know, Dave, from being a New Yorker, I mean, everyone's writing a screenplay. <laughs> everyone's got some other story behind them. Everyone's, you know, striving to do something else. But a lot of times people can, in that scenario you described, it's such a perfect, beautiful one. People could just see, oh, it's just the Bellman. What is like, what does he know? He probably just has Bellman friends and they do Bellman things and they don't know anyone. They don't think about who are the other, right? Like the key connectors, let's use that word versus networkers. The key connectors within companies and organizations are more likely to be people like the Bellman. Right. Than somebody who, you know, has closed himself off in a corner office and, and isn't, on the shop floor, isn't hearing, isn't watching, isn't putting, you know, kind of the pieces together. So if you're if you're listening to us now and you're thinking to yourself, okay, Dave, that's great, but I'm not a bellman. I'm a business person. And, you know, what am I going to do? I'm going to tell you what you're going to do right now. So I live in Miami and in Miami, it's hot most of the year. And, you know, if you live in a middle class neighborhood or, you know, even a even a better neighborhood, you have a pool. And I used to take care of my pool myself. But after my kids being totally aggravated because the pool kept turning green, I got a professional to take care of my pool. Well, I've been through several different pool people, but now I'm going to tell you that I have the perfect pool person. And it's not because he does a great job of taking care of the pools, but think for a moment about what he does and the fact that he's in and out of people's homes every single day so the pandemic starts right and i'm sitting in my backyard because where else am i going to be it's a pandemic and dennis comes to take care of the pool and i say to dennis hey listen you know you're you see a lot of people you do he, do, he also does pool design and they do construction and i say tell me about some of the some of the nicest houses you've been to and he spend you know I get him a cup of coffee sometimes in the afternoon if he comes I'll give him a beer and we'll sit down we'll talk for 15 minutes and I you know I say to him if you ever come across and I describe to him you know who my ideal client is let me know I'd love to I'd love to meet him so he says to me well I'll tell you what right up the street is somebody who's the exact person you want to meet and you probably don't even know it I'm like no no I, I didn't know that he's like come on I'm gonna go down there now I'm gonna clean his pool I'll take you in the backyard with me you can see his pool and you know, maybe we'll run into him. So uh, we go there. I didn't meet him. But three weeks later, he calls me on the phone. He's like, hey, I'm at so-and-so's house. Come down the street. He's here and he wants to meet you. I gave him the copy of the book you gave me and he wants to meet you. So this person who's my ideal client lives in my neighborhood three blocks from me. I didn't know. And I found him from talking to the freaking pool guy. All right. Great. So when we say you already know enough people, you already know enough people. Kelly, who are we overlooking every day? I well, mean, we're, we're, we're overlooking a lot of people. So give us give us something we can do to figure out who we should be talking to, because we're blind to the to this every day. Well, if you're business owners and you have employees, you know, your employees because they have networks. You know, the person you need to recruit, the person you need to do, a, you know, a, an acquisition with, the person you need to get new, you know, be the next new client, that could be the cousin, the friend, the neighbor, the spouse of one of your employees. So, you know, 
I think this is where, you know, you often talk about like with business owners, like, oh, should you be so honest about your business plans? Oh, those people over there in the in the company aren't going to understand this kind of stuff. I think you're leaving business you know, like like you're leaving it on the floor. You're not bringing it to the table if you're not sharing that with all your employees and empowering them to be part of, you know, like I'm going to say Dave, Dave the Bellman, you know, make, making those connections and bringing that business to the table. I mean, think about it too. We're talking about the business owner and the business owner. Like those two guys are probably committed to Marriott because of that experience. Yeah, probably, yeah. You, yeah. yeah, you know, in terms of like, oh, if I could go and stay at another hotel. No, this is why I stay there. They yeah. look after me and I got my best business from there. That's why I stay there. Yeah. Why do you stay at that hotel? Because of this. So, you know, there's there's who you're overlooking. I mean, you know, I could say talk to your neighbor or do whatever else. I mean, I've had people who have discovered their client base is sitting there because they've been in a mommy and me class and all they've ever been focused on is, you know, arranging play dates and shuffling children around rather than realizing that person has got more of a role in a life than being social secretary for a tiny person. So, you know, look at your own calendar, the things you're doing and the people you're interacting with and say, right, is there a way I can get them a little more engaged in my business and understanding what my business is and what it is that I need? Yeah. So you you live you live in New York and you from I from what I gather I think you live on the east side right and you uh, you probably live in a building obviously with other people when I lived in a building with other people the most valuable resource for me was the concierge or the or the the doorman the person who was downstairs and for um, a very minimal investment a Christmas gratuity. I could meet anyone in the building because the concierge, the doorman would would introduce me to anybody I wanted. And, you know, the the quality of the introduction was directly related to the quality of the Christmas gratuity. So (laughs) these people were very well taken care of. And I met really just about everybody in the building I met. Now, there are other ways to do this. Talk about volunteering for, uh, you know, committees or associations. It seems like it's a thankless job. It seems like a lot of work unless you go into it with the right attitude. What's the attitude when we're, you know, connecting with people? uh, You know, we're going to volunteer to be on our homeowners association or we're going to volunteer to be a coach uh, for a little league team. How can we leverage those experiences from a business development standpoint? And how can you be of service? I mean, it's as, as simple as that. I mean, you can look at, oh, God, if I take that job, I'm going to have to email. Oh, I'm going to have to email everyone. I'm going to have everybody's email address. Right. You know, oh, oh, God, if I take this job on, I'm going to have to. Oh, you're going to be the one who's in charge of setting the schedule and the agenda times for every homeowners association meeting. That means you've got an excuse to call everybody in the homeowners association before the meeting to see what they care about. And then you got a chance to get to know them. So you can turn these kind of take lemons and turn them into lemonade. Um, you know, great example that was uh, in my book was someone who showed up. She had been hired to start a new business, a new line of business in a new city. So she took the job on a Friday and started, you know, sort of a week later on the Monday, moved to New York, didn't know anyone, 
uh, she's building out um, you know, sort of a legal marketing recruiting function for an existing recruiter. She showed up at an event. She discovered there was a legal marketing association. So Jen showed up at the first meeting and the name tag table was a hot mess. Like just, it was chaos. And she looked at them and she said, do you need some help? And the organizers were like, oh yeah, great, right? They left her, new person, at the name tag table and they they like scootered off. Mm -hmm. And as Jen said, so I showed up to my first meeting and I left with 80 business cards because she individually handed out every single name tag and introduced herself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in those mundane tasks, you know, see the opportunity. Where can you like use this as the starting point to be a, you know, be, um, you know, sort of gathering new people, uh, building your network stronger, um, starting the relationship, finding out what these other people care about, what rocks their world. I mean, being in charge of an agenda. I mean, people think that's a thankless task. That's an awesome task because you can put together a draft agenda and then fire it around to individuals and say, this is what I'm looking at for the agenda. This is what I see as the priorities. What do you think? Mm. Now you know what the other person cares about, what their priorities are when they get back to you. Oh, yeah, that's a great agenda, Dave, but I'd start with number three, not number one. Right? Okay, now you know that's that's what that person cares about. You've got there's so much power in that, and we just look at them as like, oh God, I got to delegate this to someone else, rather than looking at them as the huge potential that they have to unlock business. All right, so let's let's talk about you. Um, you've been uh, you've been very successful in business. You were uh, you were successful in finance when it came to uh, helping businesses uh, find financing. You could have written a book on probably 20 different topics. What made you decide that this is the topic that we got to talk about right now? This is the, this is the, I got to write a book on this. What made you decide networking? It was the common thread in all the different things I've done from being in law, being in management, um, you know, jumping into entrepreneurship, jumping into the venture capital, angel investing, startup community, um, didn't matter. And it didn't matter if it was someone who was starting their career to someone who is well experienced in their career. I would get the same types of questions and inquiries coming to me. So I was like, all right, you know, this is the thing I got to do. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. And what do you see, what's on the horizon for you in terms of, you know, you're, you, you're talking to a lot of people these days, uh, you know, even though we're, we're in a pandemic, you're connecting with a lot, of, a lot of people. What's the next thing that you see that needs to be covered that you wanna, that you wanna really delve into? Well, I mean, one part of this day, my, you know, my sarcastic answer is, thank God people still get networking so poorly that I don't have to talk about anything else. <laughs> you could actually just take the book and beat the crap out of them with it. Just hit them over the head with the book. <laughs> I think someone wrote that in an advanced review for the book. It, Alice, Alison Levine, who's got an amazing leadership book, Leadership on the Edge. Um, Alison led the first all-U.S. women's team up Everest. And I think she said, she wished she'd had a copy to give to everyone who had poor introductions because she'd like beat them on the head with it. Actually, what I'm really focusing a lot on, David, and you hit on it earlier with respect to men and women, um, there are 
we think of net, how men and women are networking, like the activity, the busy work differently. There's actually different um, structures. Men and women structure their networks differently. We've seen during the pandemic, the shrinkage of our broad, shallow network, which is typically associated with men. And so men have felt their networks shrink. Women have felt network strength because they typically have a narrow, deep network, you know, where you have close friends and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. The reality is people need both networks mm. and it's particularly critical for women. So I'm doing a lot of work, um, masterminds and things, working with people to get their network, like get the mix right. Um, you know, we, we fixate on the activity and it's like, as you said, we all have networks, like you, you got to work this thing, but what is your network health? Have you got the right structure so that you can have the career, the business, you know, achieve the ambitions you want to achieve? Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's terrific. I think that's I think that's really great. Um, Pre-pandemic, I'm assuming that you were uh, you are an in-demand speaker. What topics were were most requested for you to talk to groups about? What is networking? I mean. People just yeah. they just they just want to know point blank like they they just want to know what networking is and yeah I mean no one no one wants to hear that you know networking is hard no one wants to hear that but it's hard because all right let's face it Dave networking is about people and we're squirrely and weird and what we want today is not what we want tomorrow mm -hmm. and that makes networking hard and everyone is looking for like a 10 point checklist, right? Of things that they do. And if networking was that easy, like you could just check those items off and be done with it, then, you know, my book would have been an Instagram post instead of a book. I would have put 10 point checklist in a picture on Instagram or an Insta story and we'd be done. But people like they, they, they really want to know how to do this differently. In the past year, my talks have been really fixated on how we build the relationships in a digital world. Mm. And for some time, uh, well before the book was published, but definitely in my book, um, I look at digital, how we build relationships digitally as no different than how we build them in real life. And that we need to be amphibious and that our offline and, and online need to work in tandem um, and that can build really strong relationships. And one of the stories I often tell on this um, is, um, so the hardcover version of my book does not have a foreword, the paperback does. And the foreword to the paperback was written by um, none other than the best-selling business book author, Tom Peters, who wrote In Search of Excellence. Mm -hmm. Tom and I are friends. And how are Tom and I friends? We hang out on Twitter together. Mm -hmm. And we've been hanging out on Twitter together for seven or eight years. Um, I started following him because of conversations around management and corporate governance sort of issues. And we'd have, you know, banter back and forth. And started. he started following me when my book came out. He congratulated me. Then he direct messaged me to say he bought a copy. And I was like, what are you doing? I'd send you one. Like, we've got the same publisher. I think we can make this happen. Um, you know, fast forward when the paperback was going to come out, I, I let him know because I was so excited about it. And he said, that's amazing. Who's writing the forward? And I'm like, maybe you are. Uh, so he wrote the forward. We've met once in person. Um, and that was when his schedule had brought him here to New York because of 
his the book he was had meetings with the publisher and our conversation dave was like so easy and natural it was just sort of longer than tweets because mm-hmm. we didn't have those restrictions anymore but we've had this amazing friendship that has developed because of digital and i think people who are going to be really successful going forward are going to know how to build relationships online and take them offline or maintain offline relationships with online tools. And those things need to work seamlessly together. So basically what you're saying is we need to go on Facebook and start fights with everybody we know, right? That's the, that's the, way, that's the right way to do it, isn't it? Like we gotta, we gotta go on there and tell people how stupid they are for who they voted for, or you know we gotta we gotta show up on LinkedIn without a shirt on. That's we should post pictures of our. That's that's, oh. that's the right way. Absolutely right. I mean, come on, Kelly. People, how let's let's reach out and shake some people. Stop having fights with people on social media. That's killing you. Nobody wants to right. hang around with you. I mean, right. talk about how this is so. Social media has become. Like you and I, uh, I, you know, I, it strikes me that we're that we're that we're of the same age. You, you're, you look a lot yes. younger than me, but we must be around the same age. I'm, um, I'm older. I'm older, Dave. So, so be respectful. Be respectful, Dave. I'm older. Let's let's talk about how. So when you know when when we were you know coming up through the ranks, you had to work so much harder because you couldn't meet a thousand people on LinkedIn. You couldn't meet three hundred people on Facebook. But all you people are screwing it up now by telling people how stupid they are on Facebook for who they voted for. Stop getting in fights with people on social media. What the hell is wrong with you? Kelly, help me out here. Tell people what they should be doing and what they definitely shouldn't be doing on social media. You just told this beautiful story about how you you connected with Tom Peters on Twitter. You know, most of the people I know would have told Tom Peters the 15 things he did wrong when he wrote In Search of Excellence on Twitter. You didn't do that. What should we stop doing right now on social media? Well, Tom might have enjoyed it, you know, a challenging <laughs> conversation. So, so I think of, so, so, so many people think of social media as this other thing and, oh, this is what you do on social media and you need to post so many times and you need to do this or you need to get this many followers. And I'm like, that's just crap, you know? So I think of uh, social media sites, those platforms as physical spaces. How would you walk into that networking room? So LinkedIn to me has always resembled the office. I feel I got to put on the jacket and the pantyhose and carry the briefcase and I'm at the ABA conference, 100%, right? 100%. Um, Facebook, friends and family, like this, what's the conversation that you would have around the Thanksgiving table? Um, you know, what's the information you share? You could share the same information on LinkedIn and on Facebook, but the context matters. How you, how you in a professional context share what you did at work versus how you tell your family two different things. The nuances are different. And then Twitter for me has always been the great cocktail party. Mm-hmm. How are you a good guest that people want to invite you into conversation and have conversations with you? Some people might want to be challenged on their ideas, but you know, you don't want to rush in like a bull in a china shop or, you know, the person who screams on the top of their lungs running into a bar. No one wants to talk to you. Right. No one wants to know that person. So, you know, if it helps people, like literally think about how am I walking into this room? And if that gets you into the mindset of, right, here are sort of behavioral norms that would work in this networking venue, that's what you should do. Okay. So thank you for letting me vent about social media because I see so many smart people doing so many stupid things in an environment that 
lends itself to blowing up very quickly. And you got to remember, folks, you can delete that, but it lives forever on the Internet. Somebody, you know, if you're if you post something stupid enough, it will come back to haunt you. So think twice before you do it. I, I want everybody to go to jkellyhoey.co, J-K-E-L-L-Y-H-O-E-Y.co, dot C-O, okay? Leave the M off. I'm going to put this in the show notes. Um, all right, Kelly. So before we let you go, I want you to uh, tell us what your – look into your crystal ball. Tell us what the future holds. I believe that when the pandemic ends – we, we just we crave human interaction. So I believe yes. that when, you know, I don't I don't think there's going to be an all clear given, but I think enough people are going to feel like, hey, listen, I got a vaccine. It's been three weeks since I got a vaccine. Let me go out and see what's going on. Eventually, there's going to be events again. Maybe, you know, we're recording this February 2021, maybe September 2021. There's going to be events again. You know, we're going to do a live event. I'm planning it for a year from now, next February. Do you think that there's going to be a surge of people going to in-person events because we've been locked up for for a year? Or do you think we're just going to kind of kind of gradually get back to where we were? What, what are your thoughts? I, I don't know. I don't know when we'll go back to the way it was, because not only is it a question of um, organizing it, I think it's people's desire uh, I think this past year has fundamentally changed us and while some people are going to want to rush to go back to an event some people are they're like they're done they're done mm. uh, the, you know uh, you know I don't know you probably have germaphobe friends I got germaphobe friends it's gonna be like John Travolta boy in the plastic bubble I'm, they're not coming out yeah um, so so I think we need to understand like our I think the most important thing for people is to understand your personal needs to connect because you're absolutely spot on Dave we've realized in this past year how important human relationships are this is why work from home will not become the norm we want to go back into an office and interact with people that doesn't mean we want to be there nine to five five days a week um, we will want to go back to conferences but I think we need to have an option for people to participate in a live and engaging digital way because some people are like I'm not sure yet I'm not, I'm not comfortable. Some people are going to need to ease into this. This is not going to be vaccine. For some people it'll be vaccine. Good. I'm good to go. I'm out in the world. Like I was, you know, mm. back, back, you know, as, as if 2020 didn't happen. Other people are going to need to ease into it gradually. And I think we just need to be respectful and, and recognize that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I, so the pandemic first started, of course, I was concerned about, um, the you know the virus and the implications of the virus and the uncertainty of the whole thing was definitely the most uh, disconcerting part of it but then you know about a month in about so it's you know for us it started march 13th and then about about the end of april the beginning of may when businesses started to realize that the two weeks to stop the spread could be two years businesses started to come back and the economic uncertainty for a, for a lot of people I, I realize there's some economic uncertainty for people still out there but the economic uncertainty was relieved in a, in a in a small way around april may i started to think to myself you know if i can figure out a way to do business with people without having to get on the road and do 122 nights a year on the road like i did in 2019 this might be okay and then i don't know around the holidays 
you know, I started to think to myself, you know, it might be, I, I'd be okay getting on a plane right now. I might be, I, I might, you know, I, I might, I might be okay to travel again. And then, you know, with the new year and the turn of the calendar, I thought to myself, you know what, I, this, this doesn't feel right anymore. I feel like I should be going somewhere and doing something. And it kind of came full circle. And now I'm at a place where I don't want to get on a plane every Sunday night. But I wouldn't mind getting on a plane one Sunday night a month and doing a week on the road and coming back home again just because of the perspective it gives me and mm -hmm. being around other people who are, you know, out in the world. And, you know, I mean, granted, podcast has done a lot. I get to talk to a lot of people. Before I talk to you today, I talked to a guy from Malta. I mean, where I, you know, I thought only people who were wrestlers came from Malta, right? And I introduced him, you know, from the Isle of Malta, and I felt great doing it. And, you know, I would never have that experience had it not been for the pandemic, and I'm going to continue to do this. But I think we need personal interaction. I think, yes. you know, as much as I hated shaking hands, I'm as much a germaphobe as everybody. And I always hated shaking hands. And here in Miami, we got this other thing where everybody does the kiss hello. Like I, I would rather do a punch in the face hello than a kiss hello, because if I don't know you, I don't want your lips on me. I just don't. So I'm a, as much of a germaphobe as anybody else. But I, I'm thinking to myself, I, I like to have face-to-face -face conversations, and I didn't realize how much I missed it until now. So yeah, I think there's going to be there's going to be an opportunity for that down the road. Oh no, I absolutely. I, I just I, I think we just need to understand that our uni like our experience and our desires are not universal, in the sense that yeah. yes, universally we all are realizing we miss people but how we reintroduce ourselves to others and how we choose to ease back into interacting will vary. Yeah. All right, so the title of the book is Build Your Dream Network. The paperback has a forward by Tom Peters. You can find it on Amazon wherever books are sold. I am going to put a link in the show notes, but here's what I'm gonna do for you today because uh, Kelly and I are now fast friends and I like her so much. I'm gonna get 10 copies of Kelly's book. I'm gonna purchase 10 copies of Kelly's book and I am gonna give it to the first 10 people that write a review of this show on iTunes. So so if you're an Android person, well, you're, you're out of luck or you're gonna have to go on iTunes and write a review anyway. <coughs> if you write a review on iTunes and you send me a screenshot of the review, send it to askdave at dlorenzo.com, I will send you a copy of Kelly's book, Build Your Dream Network, and you're gonna be able to network just like Kelly does. You're going to learn even more than you discovered here on the show today. So right now, I want you to go to iTunes, write a review. If you don't want to write a review, just buy the book. How about that? Go to uh, Amazon and buy the book. Go to Kelly's website. And remember, when you go to Kelly's website, you got to leave off the M. It's jkellyhoey.co. J-K-E-L-L-Y-H-O-E-Y.co. Kelly, I thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. Those of you who haven't seen Kelly, you got to go to YouTube. This will come out on YouTube about a month after the audio. She has the perfect background. So if you want to see what the perfect background looks like, you got to go to YouTube and watch the show on YouTube. My guest today was Jay Kelly Hoey. This is the Inside BS Show. We take inside business strategy, share all the insider business secrets with you, and we cut through all the inside BS that's holding you back. Come back tomorrow. We do this every day, and I can't wait to talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for joining me. Until then, here's hoping you make a great living and live a great life. Thank you.